Welcome to the Life Central Podcast. It is so good to have you come and connect with us again this week. We trust that this session will be helpful to you in your faith journey. It's a real privilege for me to be able to come into your homes and to share with you God's Word. I want to share the third part of the series with you. Uh, we're busy with a series dealing with, uh, with worry and stress. And so the Apostle Paul says to us, he says, you want to have peace instead of worry and stress? He says, here are five things you need to do. So it's almost like he gives us a recipe. He says, these are the five things. Let me read it to you quickly. And I'm just going to read the, the first three here from Philippians chapter 4. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. So the first one we looked at was to choose joy. That was the first part of the series. The second part was don't worry about anything. And now we're looking at the third one where he says pray about everything. Now, that verse you'll notice has two parts. The first part says don't worry about anything. He says don't go there. He says instead Pray about everything. This is what I want you to do. So really what Paul is saying is he says, I want you to replace worry with prayer. I want you to replace worry with prayer. And that's what I want to leave with you today. I almost said that's what I want you to take home. But you're already home. All right. So that's, that's the central thought of my message today is replacing worry with prayer. I think if we can learn to do that, It'll change so much in, in our lives. Have you ever wondered, why does God want us to pray? What is the reason? Why does He tell us to pray? Because God wants to answer our prayers. And God cannot answer a prayer and, unless we've, we've prayed about it. And so that's what God is waiting for us to do. You know, some people are sitting around saying, God, when are you going to change my situation? When are you going to do something? And you know, I think God... God is waiting and, and, and he's saying, when you start praying, when you do what I've told you to do, then, then I can do something about it. God says, when, whatever you, you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loose in heaven. There's, there's power in prayer. Now, let me show you 1 Peter chapter 5 says, unload all your worries on God since he is looking after you. How do we unload our worries? It's very simple through prayer, uh, through talking to God. Now think about it, when you worry, what are you typically doing? You're talking to yourself. Worry is a form of self-talk. And so when we worry, we're sitting there and we're thinking, oh man, what if this happens? And what if that happens? And what if my job? And what if, what if the business goes down? And, and so it's a form of self-talk. And Paul is saying, you don't talk to yourself He's saying, talk to God. He says it's far more beneficial talking to God. Now, our, our human nature is to want to uh, do something about the problem. And so we're constantly wanting to, to do something. And if we can't do something, then, then we start worrying about it. The easiest thing for you and me is just to worry about the problem. And, and Paul says, man, you're doing the wrong thing. He says, it's not going to help you. It's not going to benefit you one single bit worrying about the problem. Even Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, he says, can anyone by worrying add a single hour to their lives? 
You know what Jesus is saying? He says, is there, is there any benefit? Is there anything you're going to gain? No, not at all. And that's why Paul says to us, he says, don't worry about anything. There's no benefit. It's not going to help you one single But He says, instead, I want you to pray about everything. Now, you may be thinking, oh, Leonard, you know, I've prayed and I've prayed and God hasn't answered my prayer. No, it's not that God hasn't answered your prayer. He maybe hasn't answered it the way you wanted or maybe how you wanted him to, to answer or when you wanted him to, to answer. But God always answers our prayers. You see, sometimes we pray and we're asking God to deliver us from a problem. And God hasn't promised to deliver us from our problems, but rather to deliver us through our problems. The promise is that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. So in other words, he says, I'll be with you through everything, every promise, every challenge you go through. God says, I'll be with you. I'll be right there beside you. I'll never leave you nor forsake you. That's why Psalm 23 says, though I go through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Psalm 91 says, it says, though a thousand fall on my side and ten thousand are dying around me. In other words, what he's saying is, I'm right in it. God hasn't delivered me from this. I'm right in this. But what does it say? These evils will not touch you. So even though I find myself right in the middle of the problem, these things won't affect me because God is with me. And many of you have been there. And you can, you can tell your story, you can tell your, your testimony of how you begged and pleaded with God to deliver you from a problem, and God didn't. God left you right in that thing, but he gave you the strength and the ability to go through it. And as you look back today, man, it was a tough time. You never want that time over. But there's no doubt that God did something very special in that time. And, and God built your, 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 your faith, strengthened your, your inner man. Something happened on the inside that probably would never have happened had you not gone through that, that difficult time. You know, sometimes when we worry, we find ourselves worrying, and then we suddenly realize, man, I, I need to pray, I need to pray about this. And so we switch from worry to, to prayer. And then we start worrying How's God going to do this? How's this going to be possible? Listen, it's almost like when you're at school and the teacher sends you home uh, and you need to tell your parents you need something for tomorrow. And so what do we do? We go home, we tell our parents we need that. I don't know about you, but I never worried about how they were going to do it. And were they going to afford it or not? That, that wasn't our problem. And as children, we don't worry about those things. But w what we do is we just simply go and ask. It's their job to find out and to sort out how they're going to possibly do that. And that's exactly what God wants us to do. He says, I want you to come and ask. It's my job to provide. Listen to what he says here in Matthew 7. He says, ask and it will be given you. In John 14, he says, you can ask for anything in my name and I will do it. Now, maybe you've been thinking, oh, Leonard, you know, I don't want to bother God. You know, my little problem is so small. You know, I don't want to come with my little issue. Listen, let me just say to you, there aren't big issues or small issues in God's economy. Big problems or small problems, they're all little in God's economy. Besides, if it's not worth 
praying about, it's certainly not worth worrying about. All right? Listen to what the Bible says here in Romans chapter 8. It says, Since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? If God solved your biggest problem, my biggest problem, what is that? The fact that we'll never be able to reach heaven on our own. We can't do that. If God did that for us, man, then everything else is small in comparison. If God loves us so much that he gave heaven's best for us, then your finances aren't a problem. Then uh, uh, your health is not a problem. Your relationships aren't a problem. God can solve any one of those problems. There's no area that God's not interested in. God's interested even in the tiniest details of our lives. The Bible says he even knows the number of hairs on our heads, and for some of us that's not too hard. So Paul says to us, he says, I don't want you to worry about anything. He says, I want you to pray. So what he's saying to us, he's saying, I want you to replace worry with prayer. He says, I want you to worry less and to pray more. You know what he's saying? He's saying, I want prayer to be your first resort and not your last resort. I think it's fair to say sometimes prayer is our last resort. We worry about it. We talk about it. We complain about it. And sometimes we completely forget to, to pray about the situation. God wants prayer to be our, our first resort. Let me give you an example of that in the Bible. King Hezekiah was dying. And so God sends the prophet Isaiah to him to go and tell him that he wasn't going to recover. He wasn't going to make it. He was going to die. And so really the prophet is saying to him, you've got to get your house in order. You've got to, you've got to prepare to die. I mean, that was bad news. Here's God's prophet coming with a message from God telling you that you're going to die. And so the prophet turns around and leaves uh, Hezekiah's bedroom. And Hezekiah doesn't waste any time to to, to worry about it or to feel sorry for himself and to think that it's not fair or anything like that. But right there, he turns to God and he calls out to God. And the Bible says he even reminds God of the, of the godly life that he had lived. And, and right there, God answers his prayer. The Bible says Isaiah hadn't even left the palace yet. He's probably still at the front door, busy talking to, to some people there. And God tells him to turn around, to go back to Hezekiah's bedroom and to go and tell him that God had added 15 years to his life. Have you ever wondered what made him so confident? How come he turned to God just, just like that? In, that? in that moment, he instantly turned to God. No doubt he had a relationship with God. And he knew that God was a prayer answering God. You see, when we know our God, we'll turn to our God. The Bible says in Daniel eleven thirty two, the people who know their God will be strong and do exploits. And somehow when we know that, when we know how God is a prayer answering God and that he loves us and he cares for us and he's told us to come and to ask, that's, that's what God wants us to do. When we know that, uh, that if he gave uh, uh, heaven's best for us, won't he give us everything else? You see, when we know our God, then what happens is, is prayer is our first resort and not our last resort. You see, God promises to answer our prayers. And I want to give you two verses for that. In Isaiah 65, he says, I will answer them 
before they even call to me. Isn't that amazing? So the moment you and I turn to God, the moment you and I get ready to pray, God's already answered that because he knows what we can ask for. And then it carries on to say, while they are still talking about their needs, I will go ahead and answer their prayers. Isn't that beautiful? And then Psalm 91 says, when they call on me, I will answer. God always answers our prayers. And it may not be in the way that we want, but he answers. Think about this. Jesus never, ever spoke about unanswered prayer. Why? Because God answers prayer. And so when God answers, the options are, yes, God may say, yes, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that. I'm going to give that to you. Or God may say, no, I, I'm not going to give that to you. It's not good for you, and I love you too much. Or the answer may be, not now. Now, sometimes when God, when God says, uh, not now, we think we've been asking for the wrong thing, maybe. Maybe the answer has been, no. Maybe we've, we, we're asking for the wrong thing. And that's not necessarily the wrong thing. It may be the right thing in the wrong time. So in other words, we're asking on our timetable and not on God's timetable. So how do we handle that? Well, Jesus tells us how. Jesus says, keep on praying. He says, he says just keep asking. Remember the two parables that he shared? The woman that goes to the judge and keeps on bugging the judge, keeps on harassing the judge until eventually he gives in to her request because he, she'd worn him out. <laughs> and then the other man that knocks on his neighbor's door and keeps on asking for food and, and he keeps banging on the neighbor's door. And Jesus is basically saying, you do just that. Keep banging on heaven's door. Let me give you an example from scripture. There's this lady in the Old Testament her name was Hannah, and Hannah couldn't have children. To make matters worse, one of her husband's wives, they had multiple wives back then, one of the husband's wives would constantly tease her and make fun of her and taunt her. And the Bible says Hannah was constantly sorrowful and, and weeping because of her condition, but she kept on asking God. Whenever she had an opportunity, she would go to the temple and she would pray right there in the temple and, and pour out her, her heart to God. And, on, and, and this kept on for, not for weeks, not for months, but for years. And on one such occasion, she was busy pouring out her heart to God. And, and one of the priests uh, there at the temple, Eli, he heard that. And so he came over to her and he said to her, go in peace. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. May the God of Israel grant the request you have asked of him. God answered her prayer. And within some months, she was pregnant and she gave birth to a child which she named Samuel. And that, that boy would become the prophet Samuel, who would ultimately anoint the great King David. And so what's the lesson there for us? Keep on going. Persevere in prayer. If you've been trusting God for something. Let's say you've been trusting God for a marriage partner. Persevere in prayer. You're trusting God for a wayward child, a wayward family member. Persevere in prayer. Or maybe you're trusting God for your business or for the company that you work for, especially during this time. Don't give up. Keep praying. Persevere in prayer. Or maybe you've got a husband who's always leaving his socks on the floor. Persevere in picking those socks up for him. All right? Now, let me give you one last example of of prayer, and this is not just one individual praying, 
But this is the early church when they got together and they, they prayed in, in unity. In Acts chapter 12, we read the story. Let me give you a little bit of background to the story. There was this faction between the Jews and the Christians because you see this Christian group had broken away from the Jews. They used to follow the Jewish faith, but now they decided to, to follow Jesus, to become Christians, Christ's ones. And so the Jews were really angry and upset with them. And so there was this, this tension between them. And so Herod, King Herod, was sitting on the outside and he was looking at the situation and he saw this as an opportunity to win some political favor with the Jews, which was basically the majority group. And so he captures one of the Christian leaders. His name is James. He captures James, puts him in prison. And when he saw how this greatly pleased the, uh, the Jews, he decided to execute him. And so he has him executed. And this pleases the Jews even more. And so he decides, oh, let me capture another one of the leaders. And so he captures Peter and he puts him in prison. And this is where the Christians realized, we better pray. We better come before God because it's just a matter of time. And he's probably going to execute him as well. And so they started praying as, as, as a church, as a group. They started praying. When their prayers reached the throne room of heaven, God released an angel. One angel, all that was needed, released this angel. And the angel went and, and set Peter free. What is the lesson there for us? There is power when God's people start praying together. Listen to what the Bible says in Matthew 18. This is a, the last scripture for today. If two of you on earth agree about anything you ask for, it will be done for you by my Father who is in heaven. I'm sure this was the reason why Jesus kept on asking his disciples to pray with him in the Garden of Gethsemane. If Jesus didn't need their prayers, if there was no power in, in united prayer, then he probably wouldn't have asked for that. But Jesus kept on saying to them, come on guys, come on, and kept on going back to them and waking them and saying, I need you to pray with me. Why? Because Jesus knew there was such power in, in united prayer. The Bible says one will put a thousand to flight, two will put 10,000 to flight. And so I want to encourage you. Don't worry about your problems. Pray about your problems. And, and, and here's the next step. I want to ask us to start praying together more than ever before, to pray together in unity as God's church for South Africa. Now we're going to do that in a moment. I want to ask you to join me as we pray. And here's what we're going to, what we're going to pray for. We're going to take authority. We're going to bind this coronavirus. God has given us authority as his children. We're going to exercise that authority. Bible says whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. So we're going to do that. Then we want to pray for our president and for the leaders around him that God will give them wisdom in leading our country well. Then we're also going to pray according to scripture that God will give us quiet and peaceful lives here in South Africa. And then lastly, we're going to pray for God's blessing on our, on our uh, businesses, on our economy. Really ask for God's hand. It looks like an impossible situation. But listen, whenever something seems impossible, God can take the impossible, turn it around, and make it very much possible. And so let's bow and let's pray together. Our Heavenly Father, it's our privilege today just to come and to pray for South Africa. 
this beautiful nation that you've placed us in. God, we think of this coronavirus that's causing havoc and chaos around the world and even in South Africa. And we come against that now in Jesus' name. And we speak death to that virus in the name of Jesus. We bind it now as your children, Father. You've given us authority here on this earth. And we exercise that authority. We bind that virus in Jesus' name. We think of our president and all the leaders around him. We pray, Lord, that you give him supernatural wisdom, insight, and discernment, that you'll lead him well in order that they may lead our country and make wise decisions for us at this stage. Father, and then we want to pray just your blessing upon this nation, that we may live quiet and peaceful lives, and that this economy is going to prosper in the midst of this difficult time, in the midst of, of chaos and crisis and all of that, that your blessing will be upon our economy, and that afterwards we'll be able to look back and give all the honor and glory to you. Amen. Amen. If you enjoyed this session and you'd like to know more about us, then please come and connect with us through our website, our social media platforms, and come subscribe to our YouTube channel. All the links are listed below. Beyond that, we trust that you have an incredible week.